Okay. Okay, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, please. Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> And what I want to do is I want to read this account here of the, what will be the apostles. They're not the apostles. They're a bunch of fishermen at this time. And uh, I'm praying and hoping and thinking that you need to look at this like it applies to you. Like uh, it's uh, you we're talking about, not them. And so let's go ahead and look at this here as we look at Luke chapter 5, and let's read verses just 1 through 3 for the time being. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Dear Heavenly Father, now guide us at this time. These folks here don't need to hear from me, Lord. They need to hear from you. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you shall speak through me. Speak to the hearts here for the needs they have, Lord, whatever it is. And, Lord, use this time in a great and mighty way for people to get saved or people to grow in the gospel. We pray all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Now, here we have these fishermen. They're just doing their job. They went fishing they didn't, you're going to find out, they, didn't, they had a bad night. And here they clean the nets, and here comes Jesus. You know, when it says that, the facts that, now Jesus was there, he asked Simon about using his boat. There's no accident of you being in this church today. There's no accident of Peter being there at that particular time. God planned it out. There was a purpose right there. God had a reason to be there that day. And there's a reason you're here today, amen? You have to realize how God works. We look at it and say, I, I, I didn't, didn't know I was going to be there. Or, I, I had no plan on getting involved. I had no... That's the way God works. And that's what we see here. And what we're going to look at is these fishermen, and for a title, <laughs> somebody asked me that already, after meeting the Savior, now what? After meeting the Savior, now what? And so here, we're going to learn from these men, these fishermen, after they meet Jesus now what? What are they going to do? What can you do? And so let's start as we look at this. Verse 3 we pick up. And here Jesus is talking to Simon, Peter. And he says, thrust out a little from the land. This first thought here, thrust out. Sometimes Christian, 
we need to leave that comfort zone. Sometimes we just need to get out. Sometimes I feel like we're afraid we might get hurt if we get involved. Or they might find out my weakness. They might find out the disadvantage I have in my life. Oh, I'd hate to have that done. And so we don't want to leave our comfort zone. You know, comfort zone, you have your favorite seat. You know, I can sense sometimes when we go to a church that I have interfered with the comfort zone because I'm sitting in somebody else's chair. But, you know, sometimes you need to leave a comfort zone. Example we have of a couple of men in the Bible, very, very familiar passage. Back on Isaiah, we have, what does Isaiah say in chapter 6? Here am I. Send me. So simple. Paul, he, he, he has a mission. He's going to... Get these people called Christians. And on the way, on the, down that road, he meets Jesus. And he says, what will, what will you have me to do? And every one of us, every day, we should have this attitude. Lord, what do you want me to do today? My students... They were very familiar with me in the Philippines there, about over there in Psalms 118.24. This is a day the Lord has made, and then I pause. You know, they're getting ready to take a test. They've studied all night, of course. And I'd say, this is a day the Lord hath made. And they, with a, <laughs> a tired look, we shall rejoice and be glad. That, Come on, smile, smile. <laughs> It's hard to smile when you're going to take a test, amen? <laughs> but I want them to know that every day, it's the Lord's day, amen? Every day, we need to realize, Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, what do you want me to do today? I remember years ago, I had a friend of mine. He was a truck driver, a truck driver, but he loved the Lord, and he's going down the road one day, the police pull him over, and they say, come with us, and he said, what are you stopping me for, God, I don't need to tell you, come with us, and they take him to jail, put him in a holding tank with a whole bunch of folks, and so he's there, at first he's a little bit upset, then he starts talking to people, and after a while, he talks to this man, has all kind of problems. And after he leads him to the Lord, after he gives him advice about going to church and everything, the police come and say, hey, sir, come on, come here. I'm sorry, we got the wrong truck. And he thought to himself, no, you, you got the right truck. Sometimes God will use you when you don't expect it. Sometimes it's time to just leave that comfort zone. And just be praying every day. What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? You know, when I look at this thrusting out, 
and I see what happened to Peter here, the first thing I see is having a willing heart. And I believe that's what every one of us needs. If we want to do anything for the Lord, we need to have a willing heart. You get up in the morning, you're breathing, amen? Which reminds me, since I've come back from the Philippines, we live on the coast. Oklahoma, I had a little bit of time breathing. Problem there. And then I went to Colorado, Wyoming, Utah. Now, you're supposed to be a lower place, but not Espanola. <laughs> and I'm still looking for the oxygen, amen? <laughs> Sorry about that. I didn't mean to chase that rabbit, amen? But I do have problems breathing. I guarantee, I guarantee it. But we need to have a willing heart, amen? A willing heart. You know what happens when you have a willing heart? It changes your life. You ready for this? It not only can change your life, but it can change others' lives too. As they watch you, they see you, how you change, and, and all of a sudden they might say something like, I want what you got. Willing heart. A simple little thing, a willing heart. Then we go to verse 4. And it says, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep. Hey, if you're going to catch fish, if you want to catch big fish, you don't stand on the coast there, do you? You have to launch out into the deep. Now, you fishermen would know that. I'm not a fisherman. I remember many, many, many years ago, pastor in western Colorado took me fishing. We were fishing for trout. He used this, you might be familiar, this little red, little red kind of bait type thing. And I would throw it out there just, I was doing like the pastor said. And all of a sudden, I'd lose my bait. So he'd put another one on. I'd throw it out there again. I don't know how many times it happened. And after a while, the pastor caught this trout, cut it open, and he says, Brother, I think I found all your bait. <laughs> I'm not a fisherman, okay? But you know what? The launching out into the deep for a Christian it's you going to serve God, and you saying, Lord, I want to serve you. And if you really want to serve God, you need to go where God needs you, where God wants you. We were in the Philippines. We saw a lot of missionaries and the military when I was there at Clark Air Force Base. Saw a lot of pastors and it just, God just really stirred us up for the possibility of coming back to the Philippines. And God did. He took us back. But having seen those men, I prayed, Lord, show me a place that nobody wants to go to. And that's where I'll go. Now, don't pray that prayer unless you mean it. Because like me, God might do that to you. 
And we saw the blessings of God. We saw that despite the fact of being shot at, despite the fact of being on the NPA hit list twice, the communist hit list twice, I saw God lead, direct, and I saw churches started, people saved. They serve God. You just have to say, Lord, I want to go where you need me. And when I look, look at this launch out in the deep, I see it as a step of faith, taking a big step of faith. Oh, Christian, you know, sometimes <clears throat> we sit back and we think, I couldn't do it. I have disadvantages in my life. Oh, I could not do it. I'd get up and give a testimony about like when I was in Samar with the communists and everything, and people would say to me, I could never do that. And I'd think to myself, if you just let God work through you, you'd be amazed what you can do. You need to learn to take a step of faith. Step of faith. Hey, God gives us a promise. Look over in uh, Hebrews chapter 13. I, I, I'll just hint upon, just touch upon these. But in Hebrews 13 verse 5, we see there's a couple helps that the Lord gives you. If you're going to have a willing heart, take a step of faith. In Hebrews 13, 5, what's the Lord say? I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. In fact, you get this number, verse 6, and you know what the, it talks about the Lord? He's my helper. Amen? He's my helper. And so here we have the, the creator of the universe, the creator of each one of us, the Savior. And he gave us a promise. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, and I'll help you while you're going through it. But then the second thing we see in those, those uh, couple verses there, the first thing in verse 5 is talking about me, you. You're taking a step of faith. You need to be content, content, happy. Just There we go. Psalms 118, 24 again. Lord, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Content. And I find Christians, Christians, so often, it's like they're going around saying, oh, woe with me. And I think they must have a different Savior than I have because I can rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Be glad. <laughs> rejoice. And so he says, be content. And in verse 6 we see, he says, now, Christian, what do you got to say? I will not fear what man shall do unto me. What happened during that COVID? I guess, man, Christians, they fell apart, didn't they? And they became afraid of what man would do unto them. Hey, I need to say, I'm not going to be afraid. I will not fear what man will do. 
You say, but they might, they might hurt you. Did you ever have a, a gun pointed at your head with a man having his finger on the trigger looking at you with hate? You know you're going to see Jesus real quick like. You know you will. And he moves on to the next person and you start breathing again. Hey, when I heard about missionaries in the Philippines, I, I heard about how wonderful and peaceful and everything. Boy, was I shocked where God put me. But what did I pray? Lord, show me a place nobody else wants to go to. I'd go to Manila. I'd go to Manila, and the Filipinos up in Manila would say, what's it like in Eastern Samar? And I'd tell them, but I'd tell them also, say, why don't you come down and see for yourself? And they said, no, 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 no. Fear is a dangerous thing. It'll hurt your ministry that you have right here. It'll hurt your Christian growth that you have right here. Let's go back to verse 4. And let's finish that verse. Where he said, first of all, Jesus says, launch out in the deep, and here, the second part, last part, and let down your nets for a drought. He said, let down your nets to catch a lot of fish. The Savior's telling us, you're going to catch a lot of fish. You know, if I, over in Hebrews chapter 11, I, the faith chapter, Amen. That first verse, it ends, that first verse ends by talking about the uh, evidence of things not seen, that faith, evidence of things not seen. And when I look at this here, what Peter was supposed to have that day was a blind trust. Or, let's, here we go, willing heart, step of faith, and complete trust. Christian there you are, right there. You need a willing heart. You need to take a step of faith. And you need to have complete trust. You know what complete trust is? It's letting go of self. Letting go of self and trusting in the Lord completely. That's what you need. But I guarantee when you have a willing heart, when you step out and have a step of faith, when you have complete trust, what's the devil doing? Is he sitting back clapping? He's planning the next attack. He's planning your downfall. And so here we see, as we see this point here about complete trust, I guarantee when you, when you have that willing heart, step of faith, complete trust, Satan's going to step in. I guarantee it. Because he does every time. When I try to serve God, he sends, he sends a problem there. And so let's look at verse 5. We'll see the problem here. Now we hear from Simon. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. You know, 
as I look at Ephesians 6, we won't, you don't need to turn there, but it's talking about the devil, and it talks about how the wiles of the devil, the battle that he wants to have with each Christian. Over in 1 Peter, it talks about Satan. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, this war you can't do a thing with. You can't win without Jesus. You need to have him working with you, fighting for you. Have him right there. And when the negatives come, you need to have Jesus right there. Amen. And here the negatives came. Roaring lion. But let's look at that again. Simon Peter answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. What was he saying? Christian, you might be familiar with these thoughts that you might have. It can't be done. We already tried it. The pastor comes up with a new thought, a new idea, a plan that God gave him. And you look at that and think, oh boy, I don't think it's going to work. Why don't you talk to the preacher about that? Oh, that's right, that's that fear that's going to kick in, amen? Or you might say, as we look at Peter here, we think, hmm, you know what he was probably thinking way in the back of his mind? About Jesus, I know you're wrong. But then we see as this verse ends, we see where he says, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. He's saying, Lord, I'll humor you and I'll pretend I'm trying. Just like a lot of Christians humor the Lord, pretend. Dangerous things to be doing, huh? What, did it ha what do you mean, pretend? What, did you see that verse? Did you see it? Back in verse 4, Jesus said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, all the nets for a drought. And Peter said, nevertheless, in verse 5, the end of it, at thy word I will let down one net, just one. Does that sound like Christians today? They, they think that sometimes the Bible is like a smorgasbord. You can take it or leave it. All of it. Genesis to Revelation. Thus saith the Lord. Every bit of it's for me. Every bit of it. It's not for me to decide. Is that right? Is that wrong? Am I supposed to do that? It's all there and it's for me. Jesus said... Take all the nets. Peter, I'll humor you, Jesus. I'll take one net, just one. Now, the Lord already told him, there's going to be a lot of fish here. He didn't believe him, did he? He didn't believe him. As we look at that verse there, verse 6 and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. Jesus did warn them. Just like over and over again in God's word, he warns you. You go down the wrong road, 
you're going to have trouble. You play with the devil, you're going to have trouble. And over again, over and over again, us Christians, we, we think, uh, I don't think he's telling the truth. Um, I'll, I'll just take part of it. I'll humor the Lord and do what I want to do. And then do what he wants to do. And people will look at me saying, what a fine Christian. Not knowing that you're rejecting what God said. Verse 6 again. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Their net break. Let's keep our hand there for a second. Go over to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Verse 20. And if we can see the God's response here, see the problem here. Verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Wait a minute. Is he talking to Christians? So often Christians, they show a unbelief. An unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed. Hey, uh, what he's saying is all you need is a small amount of faith, and you can remove that mountain. These fishermen had less faith than that. I've seen a lot of Christians with less faith than that. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. I've seen people complain that it can't be done. I've seen people talk about how those people could never get saved because they're so wicked. I don't know, if I read my Bible, my Jesus came to this world for wicked people. And I've seen wicked people get saved. Let's put our hand up, okay? I'm one, amen? I'm one. Wicked. Our only problem is we needed Jesus, Amen? Jesus. These men, they didn't have the faith of a mustard seed. But hey, wait a minute. Nothing, nothing shall be impossible. Look at verse 17 in that Matthew 17. Just look how it begins. Here he's talking to these folks that had come to the, the disciples and they wanted the, them to heal. And says, oh, Jesus says in verse 17, and answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. What were they doing? They were leaving Jesus out of the impossible. They wanted to be religious without Jesus. Just like the world is doing. And unfortunately, Christians are trying to fall into that same path, that same line. 
hey, you can't leave Jesus out. After you meet Jesus, now what? Let's see. Willing heart, step of faith, complete trust. Look at verse 7. Look at the, the results of Peter's life here. Look at verse 7, back in Luke chapter 5. Verse 7. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it. He fell down, on, uh, down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he was astonished in all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. He repented. He said, I'm a sinful man. Hey, if you're lost, that's where you need to go. Lord, forgive me. A wicked person I am. I need Jesus Christ. Come into my heart and save me. Look at verse 10. And so was also James and John, the son, sons of Zebedee, which were partner with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. That is what you do after you meet the Savior. You repent, you get things right, and you follow Jesus, amen? You follow Jesus. Well, I want to now, after looking at this here account in Luke chapter 5, I want us now to look at us as Christians, the fishermen. We have a choice. And I'm going to pick out six nets, okay? And we'll just look at it real quick like six nets that you ought to have in your life. It's not a smorgasbord. You don't pick out which net you want. You don't get rid of the others. You need them all. You need them all. And so I want to look real quick like at six nets that we need and why you need it. Real quick like, let's just go through it because it's going to be very common verses. Look over at Hebrews chapter 10. First net, we grab this net that we need as a Christian after meeting the Savior, what? Matthew 10, 25. Not forsaken the assembly of ourselves together as a man or some is, here we go, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hey, why do I need to be faithful in church? So I can exhort others. So others can exhort me when I'm down, when I'm having problems, they can exhort me. That's why you need that net. Don't put it aside. You need to be faithful. You need to realize, hey, I need to be in church so I can exhort my brothers. So they can exhort me. Another familiar verse. But let's go ahead and just see the bottom line of what it's saying is over in 2 Timothy 15. We're a very familiar study to show thyself approved to God. What is he saying? He's saying, read the Bible. Read the Bible. 
a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Here we go. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I have gone to churches and will be talking to folks that have been saved for 20 years, 30 years. And they say things. And I find myself sort of thinking when they said it, it doesn't sound like that man's in the Bible. It sounds like he's not reading his Bible. Because he doesn't know the difference between truth and lie. Why is it you need to read the Bible? So you know truth. You need to know truth. And so often, we want to just put that net by the side. It doesn't matter if I read one verse, ten verses, or no verses. God says, you need to know truth. You're not going to know truth unless you get into God's word. Amen? Simple. Read the Bible. We go to, let's go to one that's going to confuse you at first, but let's go back to Malachi. And look at this thing here as, as far as tithing. But look at this here. Malachi 3.10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall be room, there shall not be room enough to receive it. Hey, is he just talking about giving your 10%? No, he's saying everything you have, that money you have, as a Christian, you should say, Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours. Wait a minute, let's see. How did you buy the house? Let's see. How do you rent that house? Oh, you use money. Lord, you can have my house. How did you get that car? Money. Lord, my vehicle is yours. Do as you please. See, everything I have, I need to put in God's hands. Years ago, when they, those folks in DePolo broke into my house and stole a lot of stuff from us, the Filipinos watched us. Now, how are the Americans going to do about this? Because they knew others that had quit and gone home after they were robbed like that. And I told the Filipinos in our church, I gave all that to God so it didn't matter to me. It confused them, but they grew from it. Amen? You need to just give it all to God. Give it all to God. Lord, you can have all of it. Hey, you need to give your family to God. He can do a better job raising your family than you can. He can handle your money better than you can. Amen? Just give it to God. Hey, that net is very important. You need to realize that, hey, God, it's all yours. Now direct me. Lord, now use me. Lord, work. I don't want that to stand in the way of me serving you. Hey, if you gave that house of, to the Lord... That's not going to stand in the way of you serving God. Hey, if you're truly looking at your heart, an invitation should have this offer pretty full at this point. 
Another net. Let's look at another net. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. 19. Mark chapter... Now here in this chapter, the maniac of Gadara has been healed. He's demon-possessed. He's wicked. He doesn't deserve Jesus. Oh boy, I'm glad that Folks didn't point their finger at me and say he doesn't deserve Jesus. I'm praise, I praise God for the man that took the time to show me how to accept Christ as my Savior. This man was a maniac. He was, he, he was demon-possessed. He received Christ. Look at verse 19. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not to, uh, suffered him not, but said unto him, now, he, he wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus says, go home to thy friends. Tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. What does God want with that net? He wants people to see Jesus in each one of you. He wants folks to you know, try to find answers. And they can't find answers and they see you and they say, I want what you got. And it changes their life. What is God saying? He wants you to be a witness. He wants you to be a witness. Then we come to another net. And this one will start, just look at two verses real quick like, 2 Corinthians 3, 2. Oh, ye, it says, ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. You know what I know of for a fact? Lost people don't read the Bible too often. Did you know that? The only Bible they read is you. They watch you. And you, they, they're going to make a decision on you. And if they watch you and they say, they don't act like a Christian. Hey, the lost world knows what a Christian should look like and act like and talk like. You know what they call us if we don't Act like, look like, talk like a Christian. There's hypocrites in that church. Well, there's hypocrites in the whole world. But I guarantee my life should be such that they see me obeying God. And over in John 14, 15, very simply, if you love me, keep my commandments. Hey, you're going to obey God, amen? But that brings us to the last net. Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Verse 40. Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to die for my sins. He is there praying in the garden. And it says in verse 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me for an hour? Watch and... Pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch, watch, go to church, watch, watch, read your Bible, watch, watch, give the, everything you have to Jesus, watch, be a witness, watch, obey, watch, and pray. You know what Satan doesn't want you to do? 
He does not want you to talk to God. Because he knows if you talk to God, things will happen. People will get saved. Lives will be changed. Churches will grow. Victories will happen. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Hey, Satan is ready to put the temptation out there. He's ready. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I guarantee we're weak. We need Jesus. After meeting the Savior, what? What now? Willing heart. Step of faith. Complete, complete trust. Lord, I'm yours. Everything I have is yours. I'll go where you want me to go. You say, are you saying that if I go, I won't die? <laughs> uh, we, we settled that 6,000, I mean, uh, 2,000 years ago. I'm not 6,000 years ago in the Garden of Eden. You brought sin in. I brought sin in. Death takes place. Everybody dies. But we want to be faithful, serving God to the day that we die. After meeting the Savior. After you receive Christ your Savior, now what? Christian, after getting your life straightened out, now what? Satan's going to attack. He'll attack. But be ready, amen? And just say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Every head bowed.